0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to
0: Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan
1: grump we are recording this on a thursday night and we are happy to say we have not been traded to the just lions podcast yet we are still members of the new york giant family (laughs) maybe because we have no cap value maybe because we have no trade value but we are still here
0: more likely to be cut at the end of the season than traded i would think (laughs)
1: more likely to be left on the side of the road as a team as the headlights merge into one off into the horizon
0: chasing after the bus like tommy boy Um, (laughs) so you know there's a game sunday one o'clock at metlife stadium between the giants and the redskins that is sort of elementary at this point but we will cover that for those who will be watching such as the cranky fan and myself um In the meantime, we'll cover the news that happened basically between Wednesday morning and, right now, Thursday night, Uh, and that's namely that Damon Harrison was traded to the Detroit Lions for a fifth-round draft pick next year.
1: Well, My initial thought was we're really going ahead with this, a little ahead of schedule than I thought we would have. Um, You know, I don't necessarily get freaked out about we only got a fifth-round pick from him because, you know... Trades in the NFL, as everybody should know, are not based solely on talent. You don't get back in value what how good a player is. You get back his value relative to cap, age, salary, all of these things. So Yeah, there's
0: only one Amari yeah. Cooper trade every two or three years.
1: That's correct. Yeah. And remember, the jackasses <clears throat> who initiated that trade and were so quick to say – We'll give you a first round pick. So most GMs are shrewd. Most GMs know when you have people on the block, you can get those assets for, you know, quarters on the dollar, if not pennies on the dollar. And, you know, that's the price you pay for getting to unload that cap hit in the future. And that's what this trade is for. It's not for the assets we got back. It's for we need cap relief to rebuild this team.
0: Well, the cranky fan was was quick to uh text me yesterday morning freaking out like, "Oh my god, we missed the the Damon Harrison trade." I actually think it's good that we weren't able to cover that the night before because we called it out on the podcast as somebody that we like the front and center target is somebody to be traded. Um, you know, not that either one of us is happy to see him go, certainly not. Um, but just given you know, his talent level and what he would demand around the league of a reasonably fair contract and his age, it just seems like a tradable asset, especially with the depth behind him, uh, which is what I had said like two days ago. So
1: yeah, that's the biggest thing. You know we have drafted in the last two years second round picks, which are defensive tackles, guys that are part of a rotation. And you know it's not like we're gonna have this sieve right up the middle anymore. I mean, we're going to have some real question marks in the secondary for the rest of this year, and who knows what's going to happen between now and the trading deadline, but that was a position of strength we could trade from, and we were able to find a trading partner that would unload that contract from them.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I saw some negative response about you know how much we were able to get back, and I, I mostly ignored people who don't seem to understand how trades work and you know whatever, but what's important to remember is One of the negative comments was something along the lines of, well, for a fifth-round pick, we can get a special teams linebacker or a backup lineman. Well, really what they're trying to do is accumulate as many draft picks as you can so that you can move up in the draft by trading them away. These things become assets later on. Um, And don't forget that the Giants don't have a third-round pick because they had taken uh, Sam Beal in the supplemental draft. So that's a hole in the draft that they have for sure. But in addition to the draft picks that they've acquired from Eli Apple and from uh, Damon Harrison, they will probably get compensatory picks for not re-signing Justin Pugh and Weston
1: Richburg. Right. So, you know, again, you may on the surface on, you know, October 24th freak out about that. You know, but remember, think about it when we get to April and all of a sudden we make a trade and, you know, and we're jumping up and down all over the draft board. Especially when you people are calling out, we need to move up from 2-1 to one to get the quarterback that you only know of because you've heard it on the radio.
0: Well, at this point, I don't want to talk too much draft um, in terms of like specific players, uh, especially since people haven't really declared yet. Um, you know, the draft order isn't set. It seems silly to even start thinking about it. But
1: Oh, no, no. I'm talking about what the average idiot fan will say in April. Like, you got to move up. you got to move up. Well, you need assets to move up. Yeah. And we're not going to also do something foolish. Like, if we only have, you know, six or five picks in the draft, give away three of them and really get yourself in a hole. So, you know, again, it sucks you losing a guy like Snacks. But, you know, his value is more for the future for us right now than what he was actually doing on the field.
0: Yeah. Um, what the Giants can be happy about is – the only team they really have to battle for a quarterback in the draft would be the Oakland Raiders at this point, or whatever, Los Angeles Raiders. Um, every other one-win team at this point is pretty set at the quarterback position. You know, Arizona has just taken Josh Rosen. They're not going to give up on him. San Francisco traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they're going to give up on him. Um,
1: well, they better not. They just spent a billion dollars to re-sign him. So.
0: Yeah. The, and, and Buffalo, for better or for worse, uh, just got Josh Allen. They're probably not going to give up on him. And Cleveland just took Baker Mayfield, who looks you know, super promising anyway, so they're not going to give up on him either. So the only thing is some other teams that have more wins already, namely Jacksonville, if the Giants don't have the first overall pick and someone like one of the teams I just mentioned does – they might be fighting to trade ahead of the Giants for whatever one quarterback there is. So these tradable assets, these are important. Um, I know that getting a fifth-round pick for Snacks doesn't seem like a lot, but, well, first of all, it's not like they took the lowest offer on the market. They got the best they could. Um, Yeah, that's it. it's, It's different when Dallas calls up Oakland and is like, I'll give you a first for Mari Cooper versus dangling snacks out on the wire and saying, Who wants them, give me your best offer. Right. Do you think anybody else is left this year that can be traded before the thirtieth? Uh
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I really haven't studied like the injury reports of contending teams, you know, who has a cornerback that's out for a team that's like, you know, competing for a playoff spot? I mean, that might be the impetus for maybe going after a guy like Janoris Jenkins. Um, Other than that, you know, I'm not really sure who would really be left as someone that would be, uh, you know, you you never know, though. And it might be something where we're just basically giving guys away just to get them off our books, too. So I would say probably not at this point, although if it's going to be anyone, it would be Jenkins.
0: See, I I don't think so. I think Jenkins' contract is too big for you know the perception that maybe he doesn't care um so you'd be giving away a draft pick plus whatever to take him on the books is asking a lot
1: but the thing uh, is he the thing is he plays like he really cares when he's in a situation he thinks he's succeeding yeah but Nobody when you
0: trade but when you're trading away draft picks I, I don't think they he's not the kind of guy that gets traded people don't want to trade for that they they'll, they'll sign him or you know draft him and think that they can change him but a mid-season trade, I, I'm not so sure, especially for the Giant contract he has. I, I'll tell you, well, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think anybody else is getting traded this year. I think the Giants have done what they've done. Um, But if it's going to be anyone, I think it might be Sterling Shepard. The Giants have an abundance at the skill position. I'm not sure Dave Gettleman values the skill position the same way that the previous, well, I know that he doesn't value it the same way the previous regime does, but You know, if you look at his tenure in Carolina, it's certainly not a point of emphasis for him. And at a certain point, Sterling Shepherd's going to command money that I don't think the Giants are going to be able to pony up. So,
1: well, you know, at this point they
0: can get they can get something for him now, as opposed to not being able to resign him later. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think if it's going to be anyone, it'll, it'll be him.
1: I would have felt like that before these two trades happened, and all of a sudden this commitment to a salary. Uh, cap purge began I mean Sterling Shepard is still young yeah Uh, you know again if we were scraping up against the top of the salary cap and you know guys like snacks are gonna be on the books for a couple of years though Eli Apple would probably have to be re-signed at some point he could have been the odd man out now I think that more and more cap space is being you know opened up for future guys and possibly for re-signing some young guys like this so I don't think that the chances of him staying i think have gone up because of this but you're right though I would not also not be surprised if he ends up being traded too
0: yeah um and like i said i I don't think anyone else gets traded this year i think that's those are the ones that can move i think guys like Jenkins and Vernon are going to be too difficult to move given their contract i somebody pointed out to me you know that we had gotten a third round pick for jason Pierre Paul I had forgotten about that that what a stupid move by Tampa Bay I know that he's performing but to take on that contract and give away a third round pick is a little bit irresponsible.
1: You know, that's a reason why Tampa Bay has been in the toilet for the last decade with hiring bad coaches and bad GMs. You know there's a, you know <laughs> they go for the headlines. yeah,
0: yeah so so anything can happen. It certainly could be Jenkins or Vernon, but I just wouldn't count on it you know given their contract situation. I, there's not that many stupid GMs out there mm-hmm. what What happens now for the rest of the year?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a weird thing because who really on this team is, a, is like in like development mode, like play them in, let's see, you know, guys like BJ Hill, they're already playing. Mm-hmm. It's not like, uh, other than Kyle Oletta, it's not like, well, it's time to bring the kids up and see what they can do. They've been implemented into this team as starters or rotation guys already. So that's not really changing. They're going to keep playing. Um, You know, I I mean, people are playing for their jobs. Guys are playing for, you know, they want to be thought of as Jakes and being, you know, just not worthy of being on a roster next year. So the individual standpoint, there are guys in this team who are playing to be on this team or in the league in 2019 for a team I mean, it's a dirty secret. We don't want to say it, but it's in their best interest to lose. And I half joked on Twitter this week that I thought some of the play calling at the end of that Atlanta game was indicative of the fact they were actually tanking. Now, you can laugh about that, but, you know, it can't be something that's completely dismissed in the minds of the front office at the Timex Center right now.
0: Any tanking that goes on I think happens at a the front office of getting rid of players that perform mm-hmm. under big contracts. I don't think it happens at a coaching level.
1: No, I was I was joking of course, yeah. but it just kind of the timing of, you know, some of the very curious coaching decisions were made in that game and some of the, like the decision making even by Eli at the end of that game, you know, you're kinda of like, Hey, wait a minute. We're a team that one in fifteen is not the worst thing in the world. So I was joking when I said that, but you're right. Getting rid of guys that, you know could help make us a, a season a little more respectable than it is. Uh, who's starting and who's not starting? Those little type of things. I, you know, I think you're ever going to see a player on the field deliberately tanking is effort level, but I definitely think who's put in the best position to play can be something you can look at.
0: Yeah, and it's it's super interesting, like you said. You know, the the young guys are all pretty much playing, with the exception of letta and you know, we'll get into that in just a second, but. You know, the the big hole, like we said, was Eli Apple. I mean, when he was out with an injury, we were already like, oh, shh, what are we going to do? Um, I mean, do we really think that guys like Grant Haley, Sean Chandler, and B.W. Webb are are being tested to see if they're worth it on this roster? Or are they just being thrown out there? And if they do prove us wrong, they can stick around.
1: I think right now they just need, they need bodies out there first just to compete. Uh, I don't know. I think it might be something where... They evaluate the final seven or eight weeks, and it's like, oh, this guy shows something. I don't think they're looking at anything right now of what's out there as 2019, 2020 pieces at this moment. I think right now it's just survive the rest of the year.
0: Which is interesting because, you know, we suspect that they're going to have to fill both corner spots, right?
1: Uh, we highly doubt that. I don't think this changes our thinking about Janoris Jenkins being no. a giant in 2019, whatever happened with Eli Apple.
0: But. You know, now we're relying on a guy like Sam Beal, who you know, came out of a small school, had an injury, didn't really play.
1: Um, Sounds I, like we're relying on a quarterback next year, coming out of a small school and hasn't really played.
0: It's a little scary to think of what the secondary is going to look like. Last year, we felt pretty confident going into it with Cromarty, Jenkins, Collins, and Apple. You know, now going into next year, we might just have Collins.
1: Yeah. Well, the interesting thing to me is, you know, what direction are they going to go to fill those? If they're going to go youth, like going in the draft, you know, drafting a cornerback higher than we thought originally, and they're just going to take their lumps next year, you know, that might be the plan. You know, if it's, they're going to try to, you know, put their finger in the dike and just sign another Janoris Jenkins type guy or someone like an R.W. McCorders type guy just to fill spots, you know. I guess it's, it's still to be determined how they're rolling out this rebuild and how long they want to take it, or how how many shortcuts they want to do to, to make it happen.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's talk Kyle Aletta.
1: I mean, the uh, the voices are out there. The the uh, you know the chorus is screaming to get him into play. Uh, this is a guy right now who, as of I believe Tuesday. Mike Shermer said, Eli is still our quarterback. Uh, I haven't heard any reports trickling out that uh, Kyle Aletta has moved from the practice squad, or, or not the practice squad, rather, but from the um, scout team to starting to take regular reps with the twos or even the ones. So, you know, it's almost like the clock has to start when that move is made before you're really getting them ready to be prepped to play. You know, I would think that this week would be the week if, they're gonna, if they are gonna, they want to come after the bye week. Starting that process now, you have, what, 14 days after Sunday to get him ready? It would make logical sense. Um, but they're not ready to make that, that call yet.
0: Do you think they do? Do you think at some point we see Loletta this year?
1: I think we're going to see him not necessarily taking over as the starting quarterback, but I think you're going to see him playing more third and fourth quarters, I think, to get his feet wet. Because again, I don't think he is ready to handle an NFL offense yet. I, I I I he never was the focus really during training camp. It's different than a Baker Mayfield who they pretty much had one and a half eyeballs on him starting and he got a lot of first team reps alternating, you know, and a lot of second team. Aletta would never had that. You know, he, he was battling with a guy in a similar situation as him behind Alex Tandy, behind Eli, who everybody thought was starting. So he's behind the eight ball from the beginning with that. Doesn't have the pedigree, doesn't have, you know, the reps against, you know, major power five talent before. So I think he's not going to be fed to the wolves. It, it, you know, you can't get a real assessment against this offensive line as bad as it's been. You know, I think they'll give him, like, packages and – series and maybe a quarter or so and that might slowly go up as the season winds to an end but he's not going to replace Eli Manning as a starting quarterback in my opinion this year
0: uh, yeah I think I agree with you and I think I think we might see the most action from him in week 17 you know we might see him trot out there at the end of the first quarter or the beginning of the second quarter and I, I think at that point I think the uh, Eli retiring rumors get really really loud and I mean rumors not like thoughts. I mean like it comes out there that like through the grapevine that he's retiring and I think, you know, it's one of those things where Eli comes off the field, everyone sorta of knows it, and there's, you know, like a big roaring cheer as Eli walks off and, you know, then Kyle Laletta does nothing.
1: And let's let's be pretty clear that Eli Manning is not the type of guy, even like his brother, that he's never gonna say in week seven, This is gonna be my last year. Yeah. I think I think here he already knows in his head this is his last year He's never ever going to say that. He's going to say, "I want to keep playing. I don't want to play for anybody else." That the the very very high road he's going to take. I think you know, if he does announce he's going, it might be something like you know how everybody thought Coughlin was going or something. You know, right before that last game to get the one final bow, and it wouldn't surprise him to say anything at all, and becomes an off-season call that he makes. So yeah. Yeah. don't buy anything you hear of what he says or even what the coaching staff says until it comes out of, you know, after the season's over.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. I, I do think that by week 17, it'll be like that known thing, like you said, with Tom Coughlin, where the the crowd all knows it, and I think he gets yanked maybe before even halftime uh, or maybe even at halftime. The, everybody sort of knows that third quarter, Kyle Letus coming out. And uh, everyone will have seen Eli for the last time. Um, I also don't expect much from him. I don't expect LaLetta to impress to the point of changing their draft plans.
1: No. They may be high on Laletta. They may think he was better than Davis Webb. If they have the opportunity to get someone they deem to be a, if not a franchise quarterback, someone who can be a legitimate starter for the next several years, They will take him just for competition level. They are not going to have Kyle Oletta be the only guy in 2019, you know, and pretty much hand him a starting role. So that's just common sense.
0: I mean, unless he really does Russell Wilson, everybody, I just doubt it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, okay. And for all you people out there who are saying, put him in, it can't get any worse than it is now.
0: Oh, God, it can't.
1: Trust me, from experience, it can get way, way, way worse. Eli has not been the turnover machine this year that everybody thinks he is. You throw a green rookie in there who is not prepared, they slim down the playbook just for things you think he can manage. It can get really, really ugly.
0: And and speaking of ugly, there's a game on Sunday. <clears throat> um, and it probably will not be all that exciting. Uh, I guess the the biggest thing is the Giants still remain mostly healthy. Uh, however, there's a big addition to the injury report, and it's Alec Ogletree is not practiced yet this week, and I don't think that he will play. He's had a hamstring injury, so we'll probably see a healthy dose of B.J. Goodson out there, for better or for worse.
1: Can we, can we talk about Alec Ogletree for a second? Yeah, of course. Uh, I've seen a narrative on Twitter that, quote, Every move that Gettleman has made has been to, quote, win it now, and it's been a failure. And that includes Alec Ogletree. Do you think Alec Ogletree was a win now, A, was a win now acquisition, and B, has been a failure?
0: I don't think anything Gettleman's done was a win now move. I think there were pieces in place on this roster that are now being traded away that, gave the Giants a functional roster that they could win if there were other pieces involved. Um but if it didn't work, there was still an out, which is what we're seeing. Um I don't think Nate Solder was a win now move, but I think it was a future move that could have helped them win this year. Same thing with Al Gogletree, a future move that could have helped them win this year. Um
1: I even think that, I even think that Stewart was kind of in that mode also i mean people are acting like that was the worst signing in modern history where what is it two years of three million per well
0: i i think what it is is when you trade for a middle linebacker a lot of people expect sean lee type plays and it's just not what al gogletree is you know dan schneer really really has been a big defender on twitter of Alec Ogletree, and it takes a lot of watching all 22, but he really does get the defense in the right position to make plays. He's all over the place. He's not so great in coverage, but he's not making mental errors, you know, 10 yards away from the guy he's supposed to be covering. You know, he's just he's just not as athletic as, say, Christian McCaffrey, where he can cover him. Um, and I think that those those deficiencies in his game being highlighted by opposing offenses in combination with losing has made fans think that he is some kind of terrible linebacker when that's just not the case he's played really well um and you know the contract isn't a big deal and neither is the uh you know the 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 pick that was traded for him uh you know last week i rattled off the top salaries for 2019 and he was one of them but he was not higher than you know Vernon Solder Jenkins he was only just slightly above Harrison and that was sort of getting to the more reasonable money territory mm-hmm. so
1: yeah so again i think people you know I, and i you know, people also remember back to preseason when he got burnt trying to cover a tight end and people freaked out and you know first impressions go a long way too, sure. So.
0: But again, I think all these things that are minor complaints become major complaints when your team is losing. Of course. These yeah. these tight windows that Eli's not throwing to or missing guys downfield, um, these complaints come out when your team's losing, not when they're
1: winning. Mm-hmm.
0: On the flip side, Washington actually has a, a decently crowded injury report with three major guys out, uh, Zach Brown, middle linebacker, Jameson Crowder, who I think might be the most underrated wide receiver in this division, uh, and corner Quinton Dunbar. Um, that actually does open up some possibilities for the Giants to compete in this game. Uh, most notably, probably Crowder and Dunbar. Since, um, you know, Alex Smith, I've never really thought too highly of. He's a guy you can win with. But if you have to win the game on his arm only, you're going to be disappointed. And losing a piece like Jamison Crowder... The, the lack of Crowder on the Redskins' offense really puts Alex Smith in a bind. Um, because beyond Jordan Reed, you have the ancient Vernon Davis and inconsistent <laughs> Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson. They become the primary targets. So if the Giants are able to win the line of scrimmage and shut down any hope of a running game from Adrian Peterson... Then they forced the Redskins to win by Alex Smith's arm, which is not ideal for you know, the Redskins.
1: I am more concerned about intangibles. I really am curious what that locker room is like after sure. getting rid of Apple and Snacks. Apple could be an addition by subtraction based <clears throat> on his past history. Snacks was a leader on this team. You know, he said several times, I don't like to be a leader. I'm not a vocal guy. But guess what? He led on the field. And not having that leader is one thing. You know, players aren't stupid. They know when the front office has thrown in the towel on 2018. So I'd be very curious to see, you know, if they come out extremely lackluster early in the game. I mean, it's gonna be it's going to be kind of chilly out there. It's going to be really, really crappy weather on Saturday. That shouldn't hold over for Sunday. Um, we might see a bit of a player backlash subconsciously or not that might trump any particular matchup we're going to see
0: yeah i think on paper this this game is a little bit closer than you know maybe the records indicate well definitely than the records indicate but this is a team that's heading into the bye remember right after this game so the the tendency to ease off the gas you know at this point you know they're a little bit tired they're waiting for that break and they just that's took legit. an emotional they just took an emotional blow, losing, losing, you know, losing Eli Apple takes an emotional blow because it's sort of admitting it's an admittance by upstairs that this team is not going to win. Losing Damon Harrison is an emotional blow because he was inc- incredibly well liked in the locker room, and you know, like you said, he led on the field. Players fed off the energy of teams not being able to run past him. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And you know, on the sideline, you could always see him. Talking and joking with all manner of players, not just the defensive line and the defensive line coach, not just the defensive tackles, not even just the defensive guys. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I think the biggest matchup to watch this week is just the Giants versus their emotions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to see what's going to happen with Janoris Jenkins, who's you know do a lot of money and maybe he has effort problems and he's a little bit of a punk. But it's a different thing when you have Landon Collins is playing for a contract. Maybe that's in New York. Maybe it's not. You know, um, these young guys, B.J. Hill, you know, he's already gotten an opportunity, but now he is a little bit more flexibility on where he's playing. Now he can show a little bit more. You know, how does he respond to this lack of, you know, he probably lost one of his closer friends on the team. How does he respond? How does he play? Is he able to thrive in these circumstances? These are things I'm interested in watching.
1: My fear is that the damage of the shock and the lack of preparation happens during the week as opposed to we get out there on Sunday. You know, how long is the bounce back from this all happening? Is this something that happened on you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, going to carry over through Friday, and then half the, play, the practice week and the preparation has been shot? I don't think it's going to be a question to get out there Sunday and they're like, oh, my God. It's not like you
0: know well, no, no, that's not what I mean, I mean, yeah. exactly like you said, like Sunday is a product that the the work isn't Sunday, the work is through the week, right and this week has been a short and on the road, that's you true know, tip. I'm still fucking tired from the trip we took <laughs> um you know the the week was short on the road, they've been bombarded by the media, you know, rightfully so, but I mean they they've been pulled into distraction mode in addition to having this stuff happen. It's no wonder that they might go out there and just shit the bed. And it it may be just, you know, this week sucked. It was not an ideal situation for them to go out and compete anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also might be that Washington's way better than this too, and just beats the shit out of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I do want to get into that just a little bit. I, I think the Redskins are 4-2. I mean, that's, that's something that we... We weren't super down on them, but we weren't really sure what to think of them. But they did a really good job this offense this off season in uh, rebuilding the front seven of their defense. They are the number one defense in the league. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that. Yeah. Very good to know.
0: Um, you know, the combination of Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen in the middle is going to be a huge problem for this Giants team. You know, in addition to that, Preston Smith and Ryan Kerrigan on the outside are going to be a huge problem for tackles so it, the the bigger issue that washington then has is a like i said they don't have much at the quarterback position in my opinion they don't have much outside of with, with the subtraction of jameson crowder they don't have much on the outside you know obviously adrian peterson is not a long-term solution for this team i wouldn't think um but they do have a good offensive line as well so they have a pretty balanced team um if the Giants hope to win, they're going to have to keep Ryan Kerrigan off of Eli for like a fucking second. Um, and you know, Josh Norman leads a relatively weak secondary in the league. Uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, the Giants were able to put up big numbers, 400 yards on Eli's arm last week with a lot of throws to Beckham. You know, he may have had just the one touchdown, uh, but he was involved early. He was involved often. um, it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do if Beckham is shut down because you know, the, the pass rush is going to make that difficult and you know, I'm sure that Washington's going to key in on Beckham. So
1: sure. I, I really don't have much more to add on that. I mean, I think you hit it on the head, you know, this, uh, (laughs) this could be ugly really early and that's what my fear is. And you know, you know, again, there's always that Beckham-Norman component that will never truly go away. It's gonna be one of those things. Like ten years from now, if they're still locking up. It's always gonna be like the, you know, the coming up on Sunday, Norman versus Beckham. Even though it may not happen anymore, but you know, he's at a frustration level with this team, and a guy like him could set him off. And you know, who knows what will happen? So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sure that will happen. By the way, I'm yeah. sure. You know, and it's not necessarily a Josh Norman thing, but, I mean, it's just their history in general. I'm sure there's going to be some chatter about being 4-2 and two and 1-6 and, six and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, you know, I'm sure Beckham's response will be something along the lines of, you know, one-on-one, I'll still always beat you. Right. And so that might come to blows, honestly. Yeah. I don't really expect it, but it wouldn't shock me if it happened. And it wouldn't and- shock me if it happened early either.
1: it could be really really ugly too I think you know I think the the frustration level of Beckham and this Giants team could just boil over it's a division rival they don't like each other anyway Uh, who knows
0: yeah Uh, prediction
1: (sighs) well I know I'm going to be really tired from flying home from Jacksonville after the Gators beat uh, Georgia so I'll be on that high Um, drinks in the Jameson room will be delicious. I think, uh, Grumpy gets first round this time, and, uh, (laughs) looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to a nice hot dog at halftime. Maybe a hot chocolate, be a little chilly.
0: I think you're high now.
1: Uh, for the score, I think this is really where the bottom falls out. I think, you know, a lot of these games this year, unlike last year, we hit that point where the bottom fell out against teams like the Rams and... We just started getting our asses kicked, you know. With the exception, kind of, really of Philly, we've been competitive in a lot of these games.
0: Every game, I think, besides Philly.
1: Yeah, we are kind of suffering from losers lose syndrome. Oh, sorry,
0: no, that that Dallas game was pretty much over.
1: Yeah, I mean, we there was some window dressing to make the score respectable, but we were never really in it. Uh, we've been suffering from losers lose for quite a bit, but I think, I think this might be the week for all of those, you know, perfect storm of. Bye week coming up, all the trades that have happened, you know, Beckham possibly getting off his game. A very, very pissed off crowd that's going to be there. I could see this thing turning into a 38-10 ass kicking.
0: Uh, so I, I have this at 31-17, but I, my asterisk is that um, at least seven of those points for the Giants are garbage time um like 2 minutes left in the 4th quarter this game's already over cranky fan and I are on the train home
1: i also think 7 points at washington score i have a feeling will be as a result of either a pick six or a fumble recovery i just see yeah a not fully prepared mentally giant team and something happening where you know they're going to get quick points and it gets it gets ugly early
0: yeah uh philadelphia and jacksonville
1: Wow, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to believe that you know nine months ago this very well could have been a Super Bowl matchup. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, I um, both teams are struggling. It's in London. Ooh, God, um, you never underestimate Blake Bortles in London. I think Jacksonville is going to win this game in a is low. Is Bortles up-
0: even playing?
1: Uh, that's a good point. Has he been announced as the starter again or is it still I have no idea. Uh whoever. Who <laughs> who is there who came in for him last Cody game? Kessler. Cody Kessler, that's right. <laughs> um I'm gonna go on the assumption that Blake Bortles is gonna start, and I am gonna go with the prediction that Jacksonville wins a very low scoring, ugly game. Let's go seventeen fourteen.
0: Um, I think the opposite. I think Philly gets off their their slide here and i think jacksonville continues to slide um i don't know i just think i think philly's too talented in the right places to play jacksonville i I think that pass rush really really hampers jacksonville being able to do much of anything fair enough yeah either way doesn't matter giants are out of it
1: (laughs) yeah stop with the well if we go 10 and 0 and the rest we have a chance
0: have you seen that
1: uh, we I don't see any more, but I did see it before last week. The yeah. we can go on that nine and one run and
0: Yeah. All those times in the NFL someone's won nine games in a row. Sure.
1: Because you know, you always jump on the team that's one and five.
0: All right, everyone. Uh we will see you Tuesday morning and you will always find that on iTunes and SoundCloud where we have some wonderful reviews and some five star ratings. Please keep those coming. And the show is always bumped on Twitter at at just giants pod. And you can find me on Twitter as well at at football underscore grump.
1: Mm -hmm. You can find me as always at the cranky fan, a monster weekend for me. As I alluded to, I'll be heading down to Jacksonville tomorrow for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. My beloved Florida Gators playing the hideous Georgia Bulldogs top 10 matchup hear about all my thoughts on Mark and the cranky fan, my companion podcast, also on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, please subscribe to both shows. Give us a five-star rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more Giant fans we get to interact with. And we appreciate all the back and forth we've had on Twitter the last couple of weeks. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, people who agree with us, people think we're crazy, people that we think are crazy. So keep it coming. We love to. Uh, we'll talk Giant football all day and all night with you. Alright everyone, go Giants. Giants.